0: Welcome to the Break the Twitch podcast on doing more of what matters through minimalism, habits, and creativity. I am your host, Anthony Ungaro, and this is episode one. As you may have been able to tell from the episode number, this is the very first episode of the podcast, and I'm thrilled to start with my guest, Lucia Hawley. She is a certified nutritional therapy practitioner and the founder of Essential Omnivore, Lucia teaches overstressed people how to bring calm back to their bodies from the inside out. In this episode, we talk about food, balance, managing stress, and how we can stick to healthier eating habits over the long term. You're going to love this conversation, and I'm really excited to share it with you. This podcast is brought to you by the Break the Twitch member community. The member community is how you can support the work I do with Break the Twitch while getting exclusive access to a bunch of things that I'm making. Community members will get access to monthly live streams, a private online community, and most importantly, access to the audio courses that I'm making every month. If my work with Break the Twitch has been helpful to you, I would greatly appreciate your support. You can learn more about the member community at breakthetwitch.com slash community. All right, let's start the show. Lucia, hello.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: Thank you <laughs> For joining today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) Um, I'm good. It's kind of a rainy day, which I don't mind at all.
0: Well, you're going to get some more rainy days (laughs) soon. I know. Because you're moving from Minneapolis to Portland. Yes. What, uh, yeah, what kicked off that move?
1: Just needing to try something new from Minnesota. have been here for a long time and have, um, a lot of acquaintances and friends out there. So since I work virtually and kind of can work from wherever, I was like, Oh, let me try a new wherever yeah. and switch it up.
0: Were there other places you were considering as well? Or was it pretty much like, uh oh, this seems like the right kind of vibe.
1: Yeah. I kept thinking, I was like, Oh, wouldn't California be cool? And it kind of stayed there. It was pretty broad. And then I was like, well, California is really expensive and I don't know a ton of people out there. And then it mostly narrowed it down to the West Coast, and I have a, some good friends out in Portland. Yeah, so it made it pretty easy.
0: There you go. Yeah. So you're uh, preparing to move. You have about a month, less than a month, less than a month at this yeah, point. A couple weeks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What has that been like?
1: I feel like I blacked out in June. I was trying to remember <laughs> what my June is like a few days ago, and I was like. All I remember is, is like scrubbing banisters and cleaning like everything that I've never cleaned before in my house, even <laughs> though the house is fairly clean, um, just getting it ready to get sold. And so I feel like I've been in limbo, but it's not a bad thing because I'm so excited for this move. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You were saying with the house being, getting ready to be sold, there's this kind of transition point, but your house is very bare, but you're very mobile yeah how does that how has that been i mean how long have you been in that situation with so
1: that? yeah i feel like that really started once i listed the house which was um pretty soon after the 4th of july that next week so i was actually traveling that week came back a few days after it had listed hopped out of the car after coming back from the airport saw the for sale sign in my house or like you know in my front yard it's like oh this is real. This is happening now. Yep. Yeah. And then once, you know, it's also high tech. So it's like, if someone wants to do a showing, I have an app for that. I can approve them or oh. ask for a different time. So once I, those are to roll in, I was like, I, I feel like I can't even really be living in this house. Like my stuff is just staging it mm-hmm. and that's that. So I feel like I live out of a bag, but I don't mind. <laughs> Cause it's all, it's all for a very good reason.
0: Absolutely. You know, I've always found it funny That's something I was thinking about after getting into the minimalism stuff, getting into exploring these things is we when we buy a house, we go into a house that has been staged. Yeah. Really no one living in it. Essentially set up for this ideal image and look for how we can imagine ourselves living. And then we bring our all of our stuff into it and just live and then we put it back. <laughs> into the <laughs> ideal like oh this is what you could have right right, right. Um, and it's
1: like it's not super livable but right <laughs> it but isn't like, it bright and shiny
0: but here's like the the setup it's just funny that this is what we keep going for and, and I see just even with myself it's obviously you get settled in things change and, yeah. and it makes it uh, an interesting process Uh, like but for the next person (laughs) here's how it could look right right (laughs) yeah
1: this could be for you
0: Yeah. yeah so I know that you did a master's in social work yep and what was your interest in that where did that that process come from
1: sure yeah so I have my master's in social work clinical mental health um I have my undergraduate in psychology so I think I've just been interested in how people work and how people think and um, communicate with each other for a really long time, so uh, was very interested also in learning about the core values of social work. That really drew me to that field. Um, when I first heard about them, I don't know where or how, but when I first heard about them, I was like, wait, a career can have a set of core values? That's fascinating. Let me investigate that further. So that was definitely, you know, a first part of social work that really Kind of grab my attention um and then that integrated pretty easily into working with nutrition because i really believe so much in the gut brain connection um, and i've experienced that personally too where the foods that i'm eating affect how i feel yeah uh which blew my mind when i first noticed that about i would say definitely about a decade ago um so once i experienced that i was like oh there's no way i cannot talk about this stuff this is it changed my life yeah yeah
0: first I'm actually I'm curious about the core values you mentioned yeah what were some of those core values and and how they aligned with what you wanted or what you're looking for
1: yeah well I don't think I can list them off rote that's okay yeah (laughs) really there was a core value of just like even like a wider lens of saying like are you showing up authentically in a way to help support people one-on-one. And if people are being supported one-on-one, then guess what? We're probably supporting communities as well. So there's this larger lens and scope. And I was coming off of just uh, working pretty random jobs. And bosses are going to be bosses. But I remember just being like, wow, if there's a set of core values that these people, even if you're not really thinking of the core values every day, but it's has affected how these jobs are, you know, how people are showing up in their jobs. That was fascinating to me because I was feeling like from a leadership position, bosses weren't maybe always being really supportive in the jobs that I was in. So I was like, well, if you could actually be someone in your role of taking care of people in whatever capacity, and you're thinking you want to be there authentically and you're there to really help people, that was super inspiring. And it wasn't something I had really encountered before.
0: Okay. So what led from the social work and that sort of core, the value-driven work yeah. into your current field sure. of, of doing I know, wellness and, yeah.
1: So I've had an interest in a long time in working with kids on the autism spectrum. And if you start to dive into that, and there's definitely, I think in talking about nutrition in general, we can think of a lot of this stuff as being more alternative. But it's fairly accepted that working with kids on the autism spectrum, there can be some dietary shifts and changes that people can integrate that can help support um, how the kiddos are showing up for their days or um, processing or any of that stuff. So there is a, there is an combination there that I was quite interested in. And I'd worked in an integrative um, wellness practice where they really specialize in helping out kids who had ADHD hmm. and also um, were on the autism spectrum. So I had this background of seeing the changes I could help it, uh, seeing the changes that could happen with these kids and then having the core values, learning about those later, having it come together. I was like, this is amazing. And then, like I said before, kind of noticing how I was feeling with my nutrition. I was like, I have to, I have to step into talking about nutrition more, even though it can be so considered so alternative and so different or strange or that food shouldn't affect how you feel. But I was feeling it. So I had to talk about it.
0: Was there any experience in your personal life that you had that sort of pushed you to want to explore that more, you know, was there like a moment where like, I'm fed up with this or just some (laughs) aspect of that?
1: For sure. Yeah. I would say there are multiple moments, (laughs) (laughs) which is not great when I'm trying to tell the story because it's like, oh, where do I start on this wandering road? But really the biggest moment for me was when I was in my undergraduate studies. Um, So I was early 20s, if not like 19 or so. Um, So pretty young. And I had moved back in with my parents. I was going to the University of Minnesota and they live locally. I moved back in with them because I was starting to feel really overwhelmed by my schoolwork. And I was pretty lucky that I was able to focus on school and had an internship, but didn't have to juggle a job. So I was like, and school had been pretty easy for me beforehand, where if I put in the work, I would get the grade for the most part and get passing and be fine. So I was, and this was in about 2008. So in 2008, all of a sudden I was doing my homework and it was taking forever or I was feeling really fatigued. And then as 2008 started to go on, get in later in the year, started to have anxiety attacks, which I had never had before. And then those anxiety attacks got more severe. And then I was having panic attacks. And I was like, what is going on with my body? This is so different um and i started getting hives reactions and it just felt like my body was no longer my own
0: things were going on
1: (laughs) things were going on um and at the same time i'd go to the doctor or be like hey this is now happening or i can't focus or like look at these high like i remember i was kneeling in in our family's garden one day just like picking some green beans or doing whatever kneeling for maybe a couple of minutes i got up and my knees were huge and swollen just from kneeling in the dirt and I remember being like, this is not, this has never happened before, and this can't be my new normal, so there must be something going on. So I'd go to doctors, and they would just kind of pat me on the back and say, like, oh, well, you're young. <laughs> like, go on your merry way. You're okay. So long story short, I had a summer of panic attacks. Um, and then that fall, with schoolwork being exceedingly difficult and not getting anywhere, I finally... I don't, I don't know how, but I heard the term leaky gut. Mm. And I was like, yeah. maybe I have that, which maybe is not the best way to go about. Like, You don't want to go down the Google rabbit hole of trying to figure out your medical condition or diagnose yourself with one. So I don't advocate for that, but I got really curious. So because I was in university, it was easy to look up different studies. So I looked up studies about leaky gut. And I got to these two different studies that were based out of Europe, And they were looking at um, how kids felt. So they took kind of like a mental wellness inventory, how teenagers felt on gluten and off of gluten. And I don't know what gluten was, but gluten is a protein. It's kind of a, a umbrella term for different types of proteins that are in wheat, rye and barley. And so I saw that study and it piqued my interest because here's more backstory. When I was about 14, I was put on the Atkins diet from a weight loss perspective. And it was effective then. And I believe people can be healthy at many, many sizes. So but I remember I was like, oh, so when I did that Atkins diet, I was just naturally gluten free and I had no idea then. And I remember feeling really darn good. So let me try this gluten free thing. So I went gluten free for two weeks no more anxiety attacks, no more panic attacks, Hmm. brain fog, cleared up, felt really great. Um, and it changed my life and I was able to do my homework. I feel really good. Um, so I kept it up and then later through the years, I also recognized and did get diagnosed with Hashimoto's, Hmm. which is not familiar. Okay. So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune, um, attack on your thyroid. So there is evidence that the gluten protein looks very similar to your thyroid tissue. So typically people who are diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, they often feel better when they take out gluten because they're taking out something that can be provoking an additional kind of attack response in their bodies. So after that, that's when I recognized like, Oh, that's why going gluten-free probably felt really good for me because my body was perhaps in this really hyper mode of just kind of an extra autoimmune attack.
0: I've also done the keto diet, very low carb, and had very similar results Mm. in in a way that felt better, immediately started losing unhealthy weight. Uh, So losing weight in a healthy way, I guess is what I meant to say.
1: Or maybe some inflammation.
0: Perhaps some inflammation. Um, I have a friend that also did it for uh, six months. He's been doing it maybe almost a year, Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of lazy keto, I think he calls (laughs) it. But he said that I think a big part that's missed is that when you're doing a low carb diet, you basically stop eating bread and gluten.
1: Yeah. Like, okay, by proxy, I'm also taking out some of these other things that could be difficult to digest. Or often I think when people are opting for a lower carbohydrate style of eating, they're really just giving their bodies a break. And I I have my own opinions on keto and I think it can be a really useful tool therapeutically mm. for some people or short term to help regain insulin sensitivity. feel like you can be processing carbohydrates appropriately. Um, but yeah, by just taking them out kind of for the most part, aside from some fibrous vegetables here and there, hopefully. Oh yeah. Yeah, it can definitely change, especially like your gut um, bacteria balance. So what your how your microbiome is expressing itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much where Amy and I ended up as well in a, okay, keto low carb for a little bit that turned into kind of like intermittent fasting. I'm sure we'll get into some yeah. of all this stuff too. It sort of turned into intermittent fasting because with keto, I didn't feel like I needed to eat as frequently. Yep. And so it was a natu- it was very easy to go 18 hours or 16 hours without yep. eating. Yeah, uh, And then that sort of evolved into just whole 90% whole food eating yeah. is, is lots of vegetables and stuff. I realized that I'm not going to worry about eating a bunch of broccoli or eating <laughs> stuff salad every day for right. breakfast or, or things like that because there's 25 calories in an entire plate of salad. So or, right. or kale or different things like that. And yeah. you can really eat that stuff, at least in my experience. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, and think about the dose of micronutrients that you're getting too. You know, I think that is just phenomenal when you're eating vegetables is that you're getting in water. Vegetables are full of water. Mm-hmm. So I think often in our modern world, we're kind of chronically underhydrated, And that I think, you know, a lower vegetable intake plays a role in that. So you're getting in water, you're getting in fiber, and then you're getting in so many micronutrients for how many ca- like total calories? 25? Yeah. <laughs> for really a big old not much. yeah, not very many. Yeah.
0: It kind of just evaporates. It does. And I always laugh whenever <laughs> I try to cook raw spinach or fresh spinach yeah. and it just disappears. Yeah. It's just entire bag of spinach is a <laughs> tiny little Amount. Uh, yeah, which is you lovely. get a just, quarter cup. <laughs> we don't even cook it anymore. We yeah. just eat it because I figure it's, it fills you up more if it's if it's fresh. And, yeah. But maybe I'm wrong there. I don't I don't know anything about most of this. No, I so. <laughs> yeah yeah yep. You're right. <laughs> what kind of meals and things do you regularly prepare for yourself? What yeah. kind of things do you like?
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's funny to talk about meals because I feel like so I have my essential omnivore blog and it's mainly recipes and most of those recipes are very low key they're easy to prep but I feel like the meals I end up eating at home are like a step down in like low key easy to prep so often I feel Amen. like yeah right <laughs> yeah, thank I, you no, I
0: 100 I yeah
1: well I think we can get so hyper about meals and meal prep especially or not even meals and meal prep just about food period. So I think we can get really hyper when we're starting a new, um, dietary protocol or like change in eating. So keto or paleo or, you know, no label or some, something that we're just doing by ourselves. So at this point, I feel like if I have a fridge stocked with different colors of vegetables, that's important to me. So am I getting in an array of different colors every day? Mm. Am I getting in a vegetable with each meal? I think if we could all have a veggie for breakfast, we might live in a kinder world (laughs) as far as what it does for blood sugar levels and mood and affect throughout the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So my meals, um, a protein, grass fed beef, free range chicken. I don't really do eggs. Um, just from, you know, personal individualized standpoint. So is there a protein? Is there at least one color of a vegetable and is there at least one cup? And if I'm going to be active that day, is there a source of a starchy carbohydrate? So whether that's fruit or some sort of like a root vegetable or a gluten-free grain, is that in there? And then have those things been cooked in whole kind of appropriate fats? Um, so love yeah. me some butter, avocado, nuts and seeds. That, if I can look at those four pieces, I know that I'm set for the next four, five hours. No question.
0: Okay. It's interesting you talk about the simplicity of eating because that is where we've noticed that the the healthier we eat, the simpler the recipes tend to be. (laughs) Yeah, breakfast just being a bunch of mixed greens with an egg or two, and then avocado or some other protein, a protein and a fat or something like that, keeping it really really simple. Some tomato, different things, and it just makes it so much easier. In fact, probably one of the biggest ways we've embraced minimalism is food is yeah. simply whole food, eating, not processing, cooking it, being processing it. Yeah, sure. Much. It's a
1: form. Yeah, it's a
0: form, I guess. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not raw, but it's just makes things easier. It just mm-hmm. makes it quicker to prep eat and it feels healthier. And we've generally felt healthier overall.
1: Well, it streamlines it too. And even if you're looking at, um, the economics of eating foods and meals like if you are investing in fewer pantry items or if you're able to put your dollar towards um, a higher quality meat if you're choosing to eat meat i think that goes such a long way even from a minimalism standpoint of how many nutrients are in those foods that then you're eating like the example of the salad yeah okay you're getting a minimal like 25 calories but that is chock full of all these beautiful building blocks that your body knows what to do with
0: essential omnivore when did you start that was that before you moved into doing this work now and helping other people with this
1: yeah yeah so the very first iteration of a food blog i had was college beautiful <laughs> no blog longer. spot yeah yes. right back in the day and then i took and that really that blog was basically just to be like Uh, My mom loves food. I love food. So I grew up in the kitchen with her, basically being like, hey, mom, here's what I'm eating while I'm away at college. Like, this is what I made for myself. So it was mostly just like an email to my mom that happened to be a blog. So that, I took a break from that once I graduated and then came back to food blogging because I really, my life changed so much when I went gluten free in 2008, 2009. So when that happened, then I was like, let me just talk about this stuff because back then gluten-free wasn't as popular as it is now. Hmm. I think a lot of people really know to some degree what that term means, or it's at least getting at. But then I, I kind of hated saying gluten-free I'd go to a restaurant and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm wheat free. And everyone be like, Oh, you're vegetarian. You meat, meat free. Is that what he said? <laughs> um, so I wanted that blog to be there to be like, this is not rocket science making a gluten-free meal. In fact, it's like pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. And there are just a few tweaks that you can do to kind of change from that more standard way of eating where you're based often meals are based around gluten.
0: So what was the evolution of that project? And what's the timeline? I'm curious just yeah. how I love how these things unroll and yeah. and, and evolve yeah. into our passion, our projects, things like that. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So Essential Omnivore started in 2000. 2000- 10 2011 um and it was just gluten-free recipes and then i found i sometimes talking about labels is tough but then i found paleo and so basically i was gluten-free and then fully grain-free and i felt like i found another way of being able to hear what my body was saying just by taking out some of those more difficult to digest grains So then the blog shifted towards being a paleo blog and then paleo was a new fad. So uh, there was definitely a lot to be talking about with paleo. And from there, it really just kind of shifted and grew with how I was approaching food. And once I got my certification in 2015 to be talking about nutrition with people, then I really at that point geared it towards more client work Mm -hmm. and really showing like, hey, this is approachable and the health stuff isn't for anyone else but you so let's talk about how you want it to look and let's have this like corner of the internet World Wide web where we can start to have some of that dialogue
0: what would be some generalities of the things that you see people needing help with mm. with this kind of thing
1: first and foremost is just education so education about the different body systems that you have especially our digestive system where else are we really getting this information? I don't, you know, we learn about anatomy, I think, mm. in school at some point, hopefully, yeah. right? Um, but really people getting comfortable recognizing how do my digestive organs even work? What is, what are my blood sugar levels? Like why, why might I want to care about that? What are vitamins and minerals? So feeling like there's education about this stuff, Um that I think can really dissolve so many worries that we have about how foods are working in our body. Because once we have that information, to me, education is empowerment. And if we can feel more empowered about how our own bodies work, then I think so many of those different choices can really fall into place. So it's less about being like, oh my God, I'm a bad person because I ate that really processed cake and I couldn't help myself. And oh my God, I don't have any self-control. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's less about that. And maybe it's more like, well, man, I didn't eat anything that day because I was saving up you know, calories or something for that cake. And actually my blood sugar levels were really low And actually, when your blood sugars are low, you're going to get the signal to get quick energy to rocket you out of that low blood sugar state because that's a scary state to be in. So you know what? It was actually pretty adaptive that I craved that piece of chocolate cake or whatever, right? So taking out some of that guilt, to me, I think education around that stuff is so important because it's less about being good or bad. It's more of saying like, what's going on? And what do I want to be going on?
0: Mm so mindset, mindset. really yeah. over over any particular one thing <laughs> it's the mindset what are some steps that i could take that someone could take to start getting into this practice mm-hmm. of having a positive mindset around food around this stuff
1: yeah well first I think what can be really helpful you know as much as I like to talk about um, bio-individuality around the foods that we are maybe sensitive to or that we can eat I don't think everyone needs to be gluten-free I think we need to be aware of quality and that Mm -hmm. type of thing around any sort of food but first thing is really saying like can you can you give yourself time with more of a whole food style of eating and whichever one really speaks to you, where you're taking out some of the like heavy hitters or hard hitters, um, as far as food intolerances or foods that in general people tend to have issues with. So things like, are you able to give yourself 20 to 30 days without gluten, dairy, peanuts? I think a lot of people find them to be a highly energy or excuse me, people find them to be a highly allergenic food corn, legumes, if you're having a lot of digestive issues, and sugar, alcohol, right? So a lot of these foods that can kind of hijack and tweak our tastes or they can affect our blood sugar levels, can someone give themselves time to explore that first and foremost so they can really tune in to their body's more authentic signals. So that can be really, oh, right? Yes. That can be really scary, but I do think that is where something like a nutrition challenge or doing some sort of a a protocol, if you will, if someone can feel ready to try that, just as like a, this is my self experiment, because that can really set up a beautiful time for some reintroductions afterwards. And once you kind of clear the slate and you've taken out some of these heavy hitters, then being able to reintegrate them later can give you so much information. So it comes back to education first and foremost with mindset, it's like taking out the noise and saying, okay, how do foods make me feel? Specifically, this list of 10 or so, at least starting there. And then from there, it's people recognizing, all right, now that I know that stuff, let me bring in some more of this emotional stuff too. So do I feel feelings of guilt or shame after certain foods? Do I feel uh, n- like nervous every time I'm sitting down to a meal. Why is that? So I would say first and foremost, it's just getting mm. a handle on how the food they're making you feel. Cause then when your body's in that physiological state of more calm, that's gonna affect our brains. And I think we can be able to suss out our decisions more easily from there.
0: Did you call it realigning the taste buds? Like that, that was some, that was really good. Yeah.
1: Well, and I'll also say this too, our taste buds change over about every 12 to 14 days. So that was something I used to run group nutrition challenges. And I would tell people like, I also wouldn't kick people out if they somehow like messed up or didn't do the diet or the dietary challenge, which people really wanted me to. If you can give yourself two weeks just to kind of hold off on some of these palatable like hijackers like sugar like more refined fats like combinations of those like refined carbohydrates your taste buds are literally going to change in two weeks so can you wait it out so that you can say hi to those taste buds and then they can tell you what they actually want more authentically
0: hijack is the perfect word (laughs) for that and i've experienced this in my own experimentation as well where during phases of something that looks like keto or something that looks like very low, no added sugar eating. After a month or so, I remember eating a carrot mm. for the first time in a long time and it just being explosively sweet. It it was crazy how much my, like you said, I didn't know that statistic about 12 to 14 days yeah. or some around two weeks. That's yeah. really cool because yeah. I experienced that, but didn't really know what was going on or why.
1: And then you're eating that carrot, and you're, and you're like, like this "Who am like I?" Candy, <laughs> what
0: is going on yeah. right now, right? Right. And and in that same time, uh, later eating a donut for the first time mm. after doing a thirty day sort of cleanse of sorts or yeah. of low sugar, and getting sweaty mm. from the the sugar spike. I guess I don't know the yeah. the, the science behind it, but. Feeling dizzy and sweaty after eating it because I I know that I had not I I had kept probably a low glycemic index profile up to that point and I assumed the those things were related but um, it is hard how do you get how do you get over that first cuz once it changes it gets easier right it's almost like the whole habit you build a habit for 21 days how do you how do you get past that what do you focus on to mm-hmm. try to just embrace that okay this isn't tasting super what i'm used to now yeah but I'm going to adjust.
1: Yeah, I do think having community can be really, really helpful. So I love it when people are opting for, you know, changes in nutrition and they're doing it with a group mm-hmm. because then you're going through it together and you feel some camaraderie. And I, I do feel like, you know, I work with a lot of people who have more specific uh, dietary needs or they have more intensive kind of digestive upset um, or autoimmune conditions. And that's something that we come back to a lot is that these changes in nutrition, because they can become so individual, they can be kind of isolating. So as much as possible, I love to refer people to get back to a community, whether that's finding a new one, asking your family to do it with you or a partner or just going online. I mean, my God, online, there are forums, there are different like Facebook groups, wherever you Twitter, like wherever you can connect feeling like you have a fallback network to at least talk to about this stuff because it can so often we can get in our heads. And when we're in our heads, we have this like hyper hamster wheel that we're just like spinning on. Mm -hmm. So if we can stop that cycle, I think that can help us get through that first 10, 14, 21, 30 days. Mm -hmm. And then once we're over, it's like getting over that ledge and then we're over that, then we can like, I think, come back to ourselves and say, okay, whoa, that carrot was really sweet because my taste buds have changed. And now because I have that information and I have that physical cue, like that literally just happened to me and I'm in my body. Now that's likely going to affect how you're looking at things moving forward. Yeah. So it's like giving yourself the grace of being able to fall back on a community to, to help you get to that point.
0: Are there any trends or characteristics or things, traits that you've seen that people are willing to do that are more likely to allow Mm. them to see a, a greater change for a longer period of time? Yeah, Is there any consistency there that you've seen?
1: People who let themselves be kind to themselves. I think those are the people who are able to create more longevity with staying on a plan, which can sound a little backwards because a plan is gonna have structure. And I think when we talk about structure, we often think, okay, I'm on the wagon or I'm off the wagon. But if you look at like even how people can approach exercise. So what happens if you go like run a 10K and you've never run before, but you like power through six plus miles? How are you going to feel the next day? Mm-hmm. Probably really crummy if you can even get up off of the couch. Yep. So instead it's saying like, what can you do incrementally? And maybe that's going to mean you have a missed workout or you couldn't go out for a run one day. But you keep coming back to it, not out of beating yourself up, but out of saying, like, but this is what I want to do for myself. This is how I want my day to be. This is what a, something I want to include in my day. If we can incorporate that type of a mindset, which I think is a little bit more discussed if we talk about, like, physical wellness and working out and gym stuff, if we can bring that over to food... We all have to eat. We all have to eat every day. Sure, some people can intermittent fast. Yes, you can change when you're eating, but we all need to eat. So instead of saying like I'm gonna go balls to the wall and like do like the perfect diet, that's just gonna set yourself up for failure. So being able to approach this stuff from a place of kindness and saying, Oh, okay, I didn't do what I just told myself I wanna be doing, like, you know, if you ate out and you ate some foods that aren't on this plan that you know you now enjoy or you want to try i didn't do what i wanted to do this time but i can be kind to myself because i know that the next choice i'm going to make is a completely different choice our previous choices don't have to inform our next choice Mm -hmm. right so it's that kindness of moving forward saying this didn't work out laugh it off you're a goddamn human i hope we can swear if that's okay can now yeah
0: <laughs> you're a
1: human you're gonna make mistakes so don't go beat yourself up try again so it's coming to this place with um some curiosity about yourself too like if you notice man this is a pattern like god by the end of the week i keep messing up or i keep falling off the wagon mm mm-hmm cool you just noticed that how cool is that right step step one yeah now you get to take that information and do with it what you want you don't necessarily have to do anything with it that's your right that's your privilege right but you could also tweak things because if you have a goal that you're trying to get to and you're not there now you have a bigger data or bigger set of data to use to help you shift and pivot to get there
0: I've been doing a program called strong lifts cool. for the last three or four months. And when I started doing it, it it says, okay, about how much can you bench press, about how much can you squat. And before doing this program, I had never done the compound leg exercises yeah. in my life. I played soccer for a little while. Mm-hmm. I did some of the, you know, stuff, but I'm talking about like the squats, yeah. deadlifts. I'd never done any of those things. I had so far to go. But I started out using the app to do it, and I said, okay, I don't know, I can bench press maybe 135 pounds or something. Like, it wasn't, you know. That's great. Well, yeah. you know, it was, it was whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it started the program, and it said, okay, today do five sets of five of, like, 50 pounds. And I said, wait, I just <laughs> said that I could do 135. Right. What's up? And I... I fought against that. I was like, what? No. I want to start where I am now. Yeah. And what I very quickly learned is that program sets you up to move up in weight mm. three times a week.
1: Wow. So you're
0: squatting three times a week and then switching out the other exercises. And and I very quickly ran out of steam because I was so sore
1: mm.
0: that I hadn't Right. Like I started where I was instead. So that was like, it sounds exactly like what you're talking about, where it's like, start easy. And so I went back and it felt like I was taking steps backwards. Mm. That was the biggest weird psychological thing. It felt like, well, I can do more than this now. Why am I going back and doing it? And it's because I had to, I had to go in to the fundamental steps of just getting used to doing that exercise a few times a week. Cause if you're so sore for a week that you can't move, it's like, you're not going to go to the gym again.
1: Right. That's not motivating.
0: Right. And if you're beating yourself up, trying to be perfect, like as you sounds, sounds like you're saying, if you try to have this perfect diet, I'm going to nail this and and you don't, then all of a sudden you're kind of like, well, it, it kind of throws things
1: yeah so right because so so how be long can client. you attain perfection through your whole life like would you make someone else be perfect their whole life yeah. well, hopefully not, hopefully not. you could see in someone else how exhausting that would be mm-hmm. so yeah when i'm working with clients one-on-one um, when we start with learning about the different foundations of health and wellness like i was saying before digestion mineral balance um, blood sugar levels we just talk about that stuff But with ideas or recommendations or suggestions that we're coming to together for this person to implement, I always like people to think about, like, think of your wellness or your wellness goals as a pyramid. So we have to build that really strong foundation. Mm -hmm. And once that's there and it's locked and loaded, then we can level up.
0: Yes. Right?
1: But that level up, like, we don't need to worry about it until that foundation is there. Right? We don't have to bite off um, a bigger piece of the cookie, then we need to, Then we, need to. we can start. And it's not starting small. It's not starting minimal. Any change is going to feel novel. So we can really kind of be present with change and say, no, let me give myself time to be in this change. And then when I'm ready, I can trust myself and be kind to myself and know that I can level up when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. That's really tough because our society, I think, doesn't really emphasize that. Mm-hmm. Our society still is very much get the quick like the quick fix yeah and you can get it by pain you know you can pay enough for it or like if you can't figure it out then you're bad but there is a quick fix out there for you you just need to find it
0: right the the magazine covers yeah uh that i always see yeah it's always it always cracks me up checking out at the grocery store and seeing on the same magazine cover lose seven pounds in 14 days and then a recipe for this amazing Carrot cake,
1: yeah, and then maybe somewhere else on there, like love your body today too. Right, five steps to love your body.
0: Right, it's just it just all feels so conflicting.
1: Yes, and I would I would merit a guess, and this is maybe where I go off into my own world, but I feel like that is all of that messaging is meant to keep us confused, and to keep us unempowered, because when we're not empowered and we're confused. Then diet culture gets to continue to tell us and we maybe still will believe, because why wouldn't we, that there is that magic program or Mm -hmm. there is that quick fix that we can find. So I think, again, it's it comes back to that education and empowerment not to be like, oh, you are the most like informed about gluten, (laughs) like how cool or whatever. (laughs) More so being like, wow, you know, these different things now. Do they resonate with you? yes, no, maybe so, maybe now, maybe later, then you can implement changes if you want to. It comes back to yourself and what you want, which is a scary thing I think that our society tells us. Mm -hmm. But then when you get there, it's not that scary because it's just you for yourself.
0: What are some practices that you really like around wellness or things that people can practice almost every day that might be helpful in a broad sense?
1: Yeah. Oh man, a few different things. One, I think feeling like you can come back to your senses at any point during the day. Because I think a lot of us go through our days in stress mode, probably because we have to, because we have busy days, we're in the modern era, we worry about finances, we have stressful jobs, the greater world is a little messed up, right? We're in stress a lot. We're in that stress mode, which is called the sympathetic mode, We're inherently not in our parasympathetic rest and digest mode. So, as much as possible, I like people to try to be present in their bodies, meaning, or how I feel like I can make that tangible and people can implement that is saying, can I engage with my senses? Like, can I feel my hands? Can I feel my feet? right? Which I think is a common one. Am like,
0: I breathing right now? <laughs> am I breathing? <laughs> yeah.
1: Where am I breathing from? Is it from like deeper in my core, my trunk in my belly? Is it up in my chest? My, you know, how am I breathing? That's great. Can I hear stuff? Am I aware of my environment? How am I even seeing? You know, I feel like I swear a lot of us have this like tunnel vision going on. Can I smell? Often I say like, okay, can you get outside? right during a lunch break or any time between like work tasks can you get outside and we're in a great season right now go smell some flowers go touch a bush you know like the bush is gonna be fine you can touch it right you're in the city go or can you be barefoot can you walk in the grass any of that is going to be a beautiful beautiful reminder to your body that it is a body first and foremost we're not just in our brains 24 7. when we can feel our bodies i swear that is helpful to get us into that rest and digest mode, which historically is the mode that our bodies were in much more frequently throughout the day. Because historically we more so had acute stressors, big intense stressors that would come and then they would go. Is that like tiger? Like a tiger's <laughs> running <laughs> after you. Right. <laughs> right. What's going to happen? The tiger either gets you, you're dead. Okay. You're you gone. don't have to be stressed you're out gone. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or you run away from the tiger because you're in that stress mode, your blood is now flushed into your muscles, your heart's beating quickly, you get away from it, you're safe, tiger's no longer there. Are you fretting about your finances for the rest of the day in that scenario? No. You had that acute stressor, it came and then it went, or you're dead. One <laughs> <you're laughs> <dead> of a, <laughs> one and it's of not a couple problem. options. Right. Which now is no longer the case. Now we're in this chronic stress mode because of the chronic stressors that we have to be dealing with. In our society so what we can do i think is really ask ourselves can i or can i approach these stressful situations in a bit more of that parasympathetic rest and digest mode because what's also happening in that rest and digest mode it's our healing mode Mm. right our body's not going to prioritize digesting food if we're running away from a tiger So it's not gonna prioritize healing. It's not gonna prioritize cell renewal and all this stuff that will be happening in both modes. Just likely not as fully as when we're in that parasympathetic mode.
0: Okay, (laughs) knowing this, how do we create some circumstances where we can manage those things? Yeah,
1: well if we come back to food, first thing, well one thing that I like people to think about is At the very least, even if you have barely any time to eat a meal, can you sit down for it? Can you give yourself five minutes to sit down so your body isn't even on alert, like shoveling, you know, food that you don't even like into your mouth? Like you're eating a salad that you hate and you're eating it on during your five minute work break and you can't even sit down. So that's something I like people to think about. Can you wake up five minutes earlier so you can have those five minutes to actually eat a breakfast instead of eating yogurt in the car, in rush hour traffic, on the way to work. That's probably going to set up a different scenario for your body and how it's going to break down that food, whether you're in the car or you're sitting at a table at home. So that's, I would say, that's a first step that a lot of people can take because it's amazing how much time we don't give ourselves when it comes to food. Second step is to make food that you actually enjoy. Okay? So you have to be, well make food that you enjoy because you want to as much as you can be able to salivate and enjoy your food if you really hate that gross bland salad it's not going to do you as much good yes you're going to get in those micronutrients but like again that comes back to that longevity thing don't eat the saddest salad and think that you are the you know you're being really good that's going to set yourself up for a failure eat a salad that is inherently pleasurable in whatever capacity that could actually happen for you. And that's going to be more repeatable because you're actually going to enjoy it. And when you're repeating all these different actions that takes it out of that diet mindset and turns it into lifestyle, you get to let yourself enjoy your life. Yeah. And a lot of times I think with this food and nutrition stuff, we back ourselves into a corner because we're like, Oh, I did it wrong, or I messed up, or I goofed up, or I went for that food, I went for that food. Why do you think we love a piece of chocolate cake? It's pleasurable, that's great. right? Yeah. It's delicious. We have certain biological functions in our body that says, whoa, this stuff that's in this cake was very hard to find back in the day when we were running away from tigers. <laughs> so we better get that now. But we put so much guilt and shame around that, I think, in the context of our world and how it informs like who we are as people. When really a lot of this stuff is just driven by physiological drives. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying we're bad because of these, we can again come back to that autonomy and say, oh, I understand what's happening and now I get to make a choice.
0: Are there any non-food type <laughs> habits in addition to that, that, mm. that are things that can help with that?
1: Yeah sleep <laughs> letting yourself sleep i think a lot of people don't let themselves sleep and there can be a lot of reasons around that and of course there are going to be different you know parts of people's lives where maybe they are getting less sleep i think it's amazing any parent that has children right so yeah. you can do a lot with less sleep but if you're able to give yourself more sleep that has a huge effect on blood sugar regulation so if you really like if some of this stuff is resonating with you and you're like man maybe blood sugar is something I need to look at, make sure you're sleeping. Okay, you can't sleep well. Why is that? Is it noisy outside? Are you hot? Are you fretting about something? Do you need to give yourself more of a wind down routine? When in doubt, think about how you would help a kid with these problems. Hmm. So if a kid isn't sleeping well, what would you do? You'd probably look at their environment first and not be like, oh, just... Just go to sleep just do it better already right right you would look at man maybe i could put in a blackout curtain in their room or maybe they need a book read to them maybe they need to stop thinking about the day maybe they need to know they brush their teeth they take a bath they do this and then it's time for bed somehow i feel like we forget this stuff when we're adults but we're pretty simple
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's interesting even, even from a creature perspective, my, I don't have kids, but my dog, yeah. we brush his teeth every night. That's awesome. <laughs> we brush his teeth every night and he goes out one last time and it's all in always in the same order and he always just knows. And then he just kind of goes and curls up in bed. He just expects each step and, yeah. and just is ready. And that's maybe a silly example, <laughs> but I do see at least in the creature habit, and the comfort of that habit being a thing that we can change in our own lives as well that's such a silly example but
1: but i love it because it's also a routine that sounds appropriate for your dog right if you were like screaming at your dog go pee then come back would that be a wind-down routine probably not so again if you compare that to food and nutrition and you're like i need to eat this i need to not do that is that going to be reliable that you can depend on that every single day to help you get towards your goal of sleeping, your goal of eating more whole foods? It's probably going to stress you out. Mm-hmm. So you probably can't repeat that day in, day out.
0: Yeah, the, the the whole concept of lifestyle change is something that I've heard forever. It's like, oh, you it's not about dieting. <laughs> you need to change your lifestyle. Yeah. Because anything that's not a lifestyle change it will end as soon as you, right? Which is why I think... A lot of my own focus over the last few years has been the removal of uh, goals, per se. Like, mm-hmm. I need to lose this much by this date. Sometimes it's helpful to have tracking. Right. So that I found it at least helpful to have tracking around, are my lifts going up? Is my weight staying steady, at least, yeah. while those lifts are going up? Or different things like that.
1: Totally. Yes, 100%. And I think like when I'm working with people, I use the term goal a lot, but I also think goals are really adaptable and they change more than maybe we give them merit for because they need to grow with you because we will all be growing in our own different ways over time. I do think having a set goal can be helpful for someone if they say like, you know, they have some event that's coming up, Mm -hmm. but they really need to understand. That when that goal is complete, like part of the focus of that goal is in asking what comes next and recognizing, like, if you don't have at least some sort of a plan or even comfort with that goal ending, you're gonna feel like out to sea. Mm -hmm. And it might come back into maybe what you've been conditioned to believe or, like, oh, I didn't do it or I did it wrong. I'm bad. I'm this or that. And it can come back to that mind game. Mm -hmm. So instead, I often like people to say, like, here's my goal that I'm setting for myself with where I am right now and who I am right now. But we always check in as we're getting closer to that goal or as someone's learning more, becoming more educated, or just feeling like they're engaging with their bodies more. That goal is likely gonna change and that's a really good thing. So even just the mindset about the goal itself and saying, it's, it, can't, it can very rarely be static because you very rarely are static.
0: So humans are just not static. We're not. Yeah. No,
1: no. And there can be certain situations like, you know, someone prepping for some sort of a competition where it is very strict and they're becoming very strict in order to hit that goal. But recognizing that that is a short-term occurrence. So if someone is looking for that long-term change, then their goals are probably going to get a little bit looser. Mm-hmm. But that's great. It's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing.
0: Do you have any thoughts on staying motivated mm. around this stuff? Anything you've seen to be particularly helpful? Have you seen any kind of like tools or different things? Or is it really not about the tools? <laughs> is it not about the tools?
1: I know we all want the tools. We want the hacks. Right. We want like the perfect what like, app journal. It? Just what tell app? me what app
0: to use. <laughs> all right.
1: Right. My fitness pal. <laughs> which can be. Yeah. A lot of tools can be really helpful. So I don't want to put down any tools. But I think it. Um, is more about I can't believe I'm saying this because sometimes I'm like this stuff is so cliche but it really is about who you're surrounding yourself with honestly because if you're in a place where you're saying I'm ready for a change or you're feeling like you're ready for a change you know so many studies are coming out about the health effects of being social or the negative health consequences of being isolated Hmm. So, if we want longevity, I think it really makes more sense to say, okay, I'm about to make a change. So, not that you have to, like, you know, put into like a a Google sheet, like, here are my five connections, and this is how they're going to support me. And if they don't, I delete them from the document, whatever. But really getting honest with, with yourself as you're making these changes, are people allowing you to be growing more into yourself? Because more times than not, that is what this stuff is about. It's about coming back to yourself and back to yourself in an expanded way of saying, I am now this much more Anthony or this much more Lucia. And I, am I in a place where people are so happy for me or they're neutral or they just want me to be doing whatever I'm doing? Mm-hmm. So I think that often can be one of the like um, barriers to change right? People saying, I do so well until I'm in social situations. Or I do so well, but my partner doesn't support me. So at home, I don't do so well, but at work, I'm great. Or I'm so stressed out about this friendship that isn't even working out that I don't have any emotional energy to feed myself real food. That doesn't really have to do much with the food. Mm -hmm. That has to do way more with community. So that can be really tough. And I think Honestly, it's getting support for that. So I'm a huge advocate for therapy. love social work, like all that stuff, giving yourself the tools and the space that if you're making a change, other things are going to change too. Mm -hmm. But that's good. That's good.
0: Mm -hmm. In my experience, it's always been super helpful working with a coach, working with uh, whether it be a business coach, personal coach, or anyone that just allows you to sort of externalize that conversation. Yeah just externalize the conversation that might be happening up here already. The dialogues that are happening. Uh, I remember having a conversation of literally like, Oh, I'm a person that can't just eat one thin mint. Literally telling myself that because that's what I believed. Mm. Like they come in the sleeve (laughs) and I just can't eat just one of them if they're there. Right. And realizing that I was, that's not true. That's fundamentally false. Sure. Like I am a human capable of eating just one of the things. And I had held on to this narrative and having literally just someone from the outside in that a a community, essentially having someone go, no, that's, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Of course you can. Like you do much harder things than that. Why would you not be able to do this? Like, sure, it might be challenging or sure. Maybe in the past, this wasn't the situation, but absolutely having community, having person that you're working with through therapy through coaching through anything yeah so can just so be helpful in so, so many ways yeah. yeah
1: and you know I, you know there are there are apps for that there are apps for finding a therapist or being able to there's a whole range of ways you can find support so it's really um that it's the beauty of the culture that we're in even though there are these other difficult parts about the culture that we're in where mm-hmm. there is so much information available and it can be Um, kind of information overload. There's also possibility for support so frequently too. Mm -hmm.
0: Have you seen a stigma around these types of things?
1: If there is discomfort with having a coach, and of course there can be barriers like financial or just time or these things where maybe we need to be plotting out or making small steps towards being ready for a coach or saving our money for a coach and mm-hmm. knowing where to find a coach or what the kind of coaching you need. But I also feel like we, because of our modern era, we're piecing together what we need and maybe historically what we had. So if there is some sort of pushback that people get for having a therapist or having a nutrition coach or, signing up for a gym, you know, whatever it is, we're just trying to figure out and like plug in the pieces that maybe we more authentically had before. So even coming back to working on being in that parasympathetic rest and digest mode, it's not that it's bad that we're in that stress mode 24-7. It's just that if we stop and think about things, historically, it was much more natural for us to be in that parasympathetic mode so now we're having to add in some ideas to our day just to get us back to something that was natural Mm -hmm. so I think we had more community naturally I think we probably had more wise elders or people who really we could go to or we had more spiritual practices that we were connected with that were part of society that were normalized and were appropriate so now we're just having to like fill in you know places where things might be missing
0: whereas it sounds like you're saying and I totally agree with this that what used to be the default the the most frequent and common thing was the parasympathetic the the low stress situation and then there were moments of high stress now very much feels like it's the exact opposite where our lives are in the sympathetic stress mode where there's emails, there's notifications, there's stress, there's kids, there's work, there's there's all the things all the time. And then there's TV, and the TV programs are all fast-paced, so they hold our attention <laughs> just long enough that we don't go to do something on our phone. Yeah. And and all this stuff is fast and heavy, and now we have to to have moments of the parasympathetic mode of... okay, where am I? Yeah. Like, what is this? And, and if we aren't, we'll just, it just will fall into the cultural, what feels like the cultural default.
1: Yes. Yes. Such a beautiful way to put it. And it's so true. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh boy. We have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I know we have a lot of work to do. Do you see this just keep, where do we, where, to what end? Yeah. Where does this, where does this go? You know,
1: I don't know because I think as much as there is the movement for that and it's maybe the expected one and it's one a lot of us don't even get to think about because it's just inherent and we're like just like steeped in it there's also probably going to be a counter movement and even us talking about this stuff right now this is some sort of a counter movement to that where Mm -hmm. we're saying like yeah being on the social media app is super fun but whoa now that I've been doing that for three months. Like, wait, was that my choice? Was that fully my choice? Mm-hmm. Yes, no, okay, now I can change. And now because I'm thinking about that, I'm gonna be talking about it more with other people. So I think, yes, there's gonna have to be some sort of a breaking point. I don't know where it is or when it's gonna be, but I do think with any sort of a trend, there is a counter trend. And it can be small, it can be alternative, but you even see that with food and nutrition, right? So these other counter trends can get popular in their own right and they're getting popular for a reason.
0: Well, is there anything you're excited about right now working on actively looking forward to, I mean, obviously your big move. (laughs) What else uh, are you looking forward to?
1: Yeah, definitely very excited about the big move. Um, Excited to be outside more as well in the Pacific Northwest, get to know the flora and fauna that's out there. Um, bring my dog, so bringing some fauna into that flora. Um, as far as work projects, um, opening up my books for working with clients in September, one-on-one. I have some group coaching programs that I'm looking to release, so I don't have details on those yet, but really stepping into more of a dialogue around what the heck is stress why do we why can we care because i don't think we all have to care but if we want to care how can we care and what can we do to change so creating more resources for people around those subjects so we can come back to saying what do i want to do with myself in my life and how do i want to feel when i'm doing it i think those are really important questions
0: so where can people find you what's the best place to go if people want to find what you're doing and, and that kind of stuff
1: yeah so Essentialomnivore.com, the best place to find me you can also find me um very much on instagram also essential omnivore and those would be the two best places or my podcast as well or kind of listen to other people's stories on health and wellness
0: great and, and i'll put links to those in the description of this podcast as well all right lucia i think it is time to grab a question from the question vase (laughs) will do we've called this thing four different names it's the bowl the vase the vase and the glass oh the glass so so uh these are questions that people have either submitted or previous guests have left Mm. for you to check out so if you want to go ahead and grab it You can, and then we'll pull a question.
1: Nice. All right.
0: You you don't have to pull from the top or the bottom. Just go with the flow. (laughs) There's no pressure. Hear me like rustling through it. Yeah, yeah. Got to get the sound effects in there.
1: I'm gonna dig deep and go for a blue one.
0: Boom. We, we should probably get a better bowl solution that, no, I like that it is a little more you have to
1: work for it friendly you do have
0: to work for it yeah we make people work for their questions yeah.
1: what's something you got rid of or bought recently i think this is a great question because you i'm moving. moving oh wow couldn't be better <laughs> uh, um, i got rid of everything but actually i think that's my answer is that like um, in moving to portland I've really, and I have felt this way for a long time, I was curious why I wasn't feeling comfortable in my house, and it was because I found myself walking around and fretting about the stuff that I had. I don't have much, but I do have enough stuff for a house. So in this move to Portland, I really wanted to be so intentional, really, about saying like, what are the things that I really enjoy and I do wanna bring with me? And there are so few things. (laughs) There's like a beautiful Le Creuset pot that I'm bringing with me. There's my dog. Important. Important. And then like, I mean, there's just some like functional stuff. But everything else, it was so amazing to me how good it felt. And I know it can be so challenging to get rid of stuff. But as soon as that stuff was either donated or like thrown away or what have you, what a weight that was lifted off. Mm. So getting rid of stuff has definitely been a big theme in the last couple of months for me, for sure. a great question.
0: You know, it, it always uh, does seem like moving is the time when people tend to become more minimalist than ever. Yes, for sure. Because
1: <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but I was like, it's so minimalist right now.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge catalyst because all of a sudden, our excess becomes pain.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> Directly. Yeah invisibly painful because it has to be dealt with. It has to be just moved physically picked up and it becomes this moment when most people are willing to do these incredible things. But it is, it does seem like this time of, ah, let's not move boxes from a garage and put them in a new garage without still knowing what's in them. You know, it's, it's a time of, of transition and change. So an ideal time for many to,
1: I think to clear so. things out. Yeah. Cause it's almost like a, you know, the end of a chapter where let's say you have those boxes from the garage or the basement. Sure. You could just get rid of them, which mm. I'm sure some people do, but I went through the boxes and that was tough. I mean, my gosh, you're pulling up old memories. You're pulling up things that you put in a box for a reason. So being able to, um, you know, parse through that and then make decisions, Again, that comes back to empowerment and maybe a physical sense of freedom because you don't have it. You're not going to schlep it around with you, but more of that emotional sense of being like, aha, like the cobwebs are out. This physical space is clean. And now I'm ready to kind of move along and know that I'm not going to be fretting about it or coming back to it or oh, I should think about that box or this or that, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Letting go. Letting go.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me. It was lovely to have you and I really appreciate the conversation.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. This was super fun. (laughs)
0: All right, to wrap up the episode, I just want to share one of the things that I just haven't been able to stop thinking about since we recorded this episode. But first, as you probably know, reviews are absolutely essential to getting the word out about podcasts like this one. If you're enjoying these episodes, please do take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. So one of the things I couldn't stop thinking about after my discussion with Lucia was the idea of the stress mode and the non-stress mode, I started thinking about all of the things, the little twitches in my own life that are constantly causing the stress mode. It felt like there was just so much overlap between the idea of these twitches, of checking the cell phones, notifications, little purchases we make, all of those things that are in a way a result of stress mode. If we're feeling relaxed, if we're feeling content with ourselves, with what we have, we're not really going to be inclined to make those small Twitch-like purchases, check our phones. We're not going to be thinking about things that are not currently where we are in the present moment. And I think there's something incredibly powerful about learning to embrace that de-stressed state So one of the things that you can start thinking about and really applying to your life for sure is identifying those little twitches, those little things that might be adding to the stress levels of your day. Just the small things that might be pulling you away from the moment, pulling you away from focusing on what's right in front of you so that we can lower our overall stress levels and start really being in that place where we're comfortable where we are, we, we don't feel the need to be other places, and just not quite filling up our day so much so that we're constantly in this stress mode. There is a better way we can focus on trying to get a little bit more sleep, we can focus on eating well and eating slower and taking our time with things to really start creating that environment for ourselves. If you're interested in seeing the full video from this podcast interview, along with some highlight clips and other videos that I make, you can do so right on YouTube at youtube.com slash I hope you have a fantastic week and I will see you in the next episode.